If we're gonna be different, if I'm really gonna have sustainable, lasting change, I have to find a community that understands that I have struggles and that wanna respond to me, that care about how I'm doing. So when I start talking about relationship or community, I'm really saying people that get your journey, that get the struggle you're in, they have to like, at some level, get me. And that's why, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for the 12-step programs. I'm Angela. And I'm Chad. And we discuss issues that couples face in everyday life. Then we set you up to have a conversation with your partner that's designed to bring you closer together. This is the Connecting Couples podcast with the real Emhoffs. Real conversations for a real connection. Welcome back to our series on addiction. We're in the eighth episode and kind of in the middle of the scaffolding that supports recovery and kind of the elements that you need in your recovery to kind of be supported. Uh, You know, this is the Connecting Couples podcast, and today we're going to talk a little bit about relationships, not just your marriage relationship, but really the relationships around you, the tribe, the community that comes around you as you start this process of change. You know, we've covered, I've got the desire to change. I'm ready to kind of look at setting boundaries and barriers around myself. I'm aware of myself. I'm ready to take care of myself. And now we're going to say, how am I going to live in the world in community? We really want to talk about influence here. And just like Chad has been talking about action versus inaction, we really are going to kind of bring that into this relationship piece, talking about how to sustain change and how to get sober or really surrender an issue and stay committed to that surrender. It's really about making sure that the influences in your life line up with your goals. When Chad and I started this food thing, which we've been bringing up throughout this particular series, one of the conversations we had was that during you know, month three of still being in, not the maintenance step yet, the action step. Maintenance is once you've maintained that health for a while and now you're shifting into how do I keep the good gains that I have? Mm -hmm. And so we were still in the trying to develop healthy patterns and behaviors and my parents were coming to visit and I thought oh this is going to change everything my dad likes dessert after every meal he's a 10 p.m ice cream eater and I have been (laughs) you know been involved in that my whole life and participated in it and so we had conversations about what meals I could cook that would satisfy what they wanted and also meet our need. And it was an intentional conversation around influence and how we were going to maintain our objective, even though we were going to have pressing influence. Well, and I I love it, man, because you're making me think about, um, and we've shared a little bit about our own stories, but like early on, I remember how I learned to drink socially. And like how I learned to be around people when I was drinking. And, and so I remember thinking about like, how do I fit in in this crowd? How do I become the person that I need to be to be accepted socially? And so my uh, attitudes, behaviors, the way that I drank was really influenced by the people around me. And, and I was like, okay, I want to fit in. I want to be in this group. And how do I do that? Yeah. The, the problem is if I want to get, I want to say sober, I'm using that as the metaphor for a second, or if I want to start eating healthy, mm-hmm. right? Uh, either one, 
I have to surround myself and think about what are the places and people that I want to connect with. Because if I keep connecting with, you know, the people at the bar and that's my yeah. tribe or group of people I go to, it's not, it's not probably going to work out too well. When you it's going to be that, hard to keep some of those friends. Yeah, I yeah. started to think about a time in my life when I was shifting from unhealthy behaviors to more healthy ones. And I hadn't yet really shifted all of my people groups. I still wanted to stay yeah. loyal to the people groups who had influenced me and who I had participated in some bad choices in. And so I was invited to a couple parties and I went to them. And I remember I had made a plan in my mind to go into the party with my own red solo cup full of, I think it was lemonade or water but it didn't have any alcohol in it. And so everyone at the party that was like, can I get you a drink? I would say, I already have one. They didn't know what was in it. (laughs) And that helped me stay committed to mine and not partake in what the influence was. But I even remember at those how strong the influence was that I could have, had I not had an intentional plan, easily been persuaded and I had to start realizing, man, this isn't healthy for me. I go back to what we talked about in the self-care when you were like, uh, what are some self-care things? And I remember thinking someone telling me sleep and eating healthy. And so that was another thing I had to shift. It wasn't just then trying to stay involved in those parties. Every time I would go to those, I was up way past the time that I needed to be up. In general, the unhealthy lifestyle that I was living didn't line up with the healthy lifestyle that I wanted in so many areas. And I had to start shifting who I hung around so that the people that I hung around had lifestyles that aligned more with the direction that I was going. You know, and I, I think about it and I say, I have heard lots of cliches about this, but here's one I can't help but say. It's it's this idea that like if you hang out in a barbershop long enough, you'll probably get a haircut. <laughs> uh, it's, it's true. It's where, where <laughs> am I? Uh, not me. Clearly, I've got a little more hair than I should. But I'm like, I yeah. I need to think about where am I hanging out? Yeah. Where, am, where am I spending my influence, my time, my energy? I haven't even mentioned this, I don't think, to you, Angela, but like, I, as I've started to work out more and do some other things that were, I think, healthier for me, we've tried to be on this food Mm -hmm. journey. I thought about Strava. It's a place that I keep up with my, it's an app, if you don't know what it is, Uh, but it it keeps up with what I'm doing and where I work out. And I thought, somebody who works out a lot, this is a question I ask myself when I'm trying to do things differently. Somebody who does this, who works out a lot and is in shape, how how do they handle their Strava account? I'm like, well, they probably are active on it and they have a lot of friends on it and they or follow people. It's not friends, yeah. but it's like, so I went to my Strava account and I'm like, I'm just going to follow all the stuff that I can. And I know most of the names. If I recognize a name, I'm going to follow it. It's, it's a level of accountability yeah. and community that allows me to feel like, hey, this I'm part of that too. And so it's like, there's some level of like, I'm doing something and I love to see everybody else. I try to give people a little thumbs up or whatever. But I used to do that in another context you know, I would go out to a place and hang out and tell, hey, how you doing? I want to do that in the new life that I'm trying to build in the new way that I work. You know, it reminds me of what we say to people who come into recovery, which is to look around and see who is living a life that you would like to live yep. and then hang around them. Yep. And for us, I think, I mean, this is a great example of, you know, eating healthy. We started kind of circling ourselves around people who exercise more, people who eat healthy, because that influence is 
encouraging what we're already trying to do. And I think the opposite of that, unhealthy influences so easily sway us from the track of sobriety that we're trying to keep or the health journey that we're trying to be on that we really have to consider who the influencers are and how to surround ourselves with good community and good influencers and how to distance ourselves from those who potentially are going to influence us back into some of the old strategies. You know, for me, it's so important that I not only have people around me, so I'm I'm using the app as a um, metaphor for it, but I'm like, when we start talking about shifting something that's as hard to shift as uh, a behavior or addiction or dependency on something, um, those are hard things to change. Mm And not only, they're not just behavioral change. It's a community change. It's a tribe change. It's a, it's a, how do I find, you know, even even um, self care. All the things we've talked about. This all kind of culminates to like, how am I going to take care of me, and what community can I share that struggle with, right? I used to share my struggle with alcohol. I would take it to alcohol, literally, mm-hmm. like whatever I had. And so I'm like, now I don't do that. So where do I take it? Maybe we've talked about how we take it to food. If we're going to be different, if I'm really going to have sustainable, lasting change, I have to find a community that understands that I have struggles and that want to respond to me, that care about how I'm doing. So when I start talking about relationship or community, I'm really saying people that get your journey, that get the struggle you're in. It's not just about, you know, hey, they work out and I work out. Yeah. They have, they have to like at some level, get me. And yeah. that's why, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for the 12-step programs. They bring people together with a common struggle and they let you talk about your struggle and nobody gives you a hard time for the struggle. They all get it. I want to bring up something that we, I think ha- we have to talk about, which is the flip side of this coin. So Chad yeah. is talking about, and I am talking about the importance of adding to, this is the action step, not the inaction step, yeah. adding to your life. If you are on a journey of sobriety or recovery or health and shifting some of these dependent or abused items or substances or behaviors, mm-hmm. you want to build in, add to influencers, community, people around you who support you, who don't shame you, who encourage you, who understand your journey. On the flip side of that, being able to identify who triggers you, who is a negative influence, where shame is involved. And so just for a second, I want to talk about a really hard thing, which is two things, actually. One, church community yeah so a lot of people are in community groups which seems like a really good thing we're adding faith we're adding spirituality and and, they are and yet also (laughs) sadly there are a lot of what look like healthy communities that don't always know how to respond to really hard negative things and so without even meaning to they will add shame or imply that you should just stop yeah. or not understand the nuances that we have talked about in these in the first seven episodes leading up to this one and so we see a lot of people who come into our program celebrate recovery and they take a break for just a while from community group because they couldn't find what they needed which was safety and acceptance in their process in that group And they come to ours, they find that safety and acceptance. And maybe it's both and, they go back and it in a healthy way challenges that group to learn how to find 
a way to come alongside them. We get a lot of people who are community group leaders or who are in community saying, hey, something just happened in our group and we don't know how to respond to it and it's heavy and it's hard. Can you help us? And Chad and I get an opportunity to go into those groups and say, hey, here's some things that you could be aware of. Here's how to be curious about someone and not shame them. And so you as an individual, back to number two, awareness, self-awareness, have to know if I go to this group, it's going to trigger me or it's going to be supportive. I have a dear friend who I was helping get sober and she would have a stretch of sobriety and then go, I relapsed. And I would say, "What? what's wrong? And we tracked it back to every time she started a women's Bible study at her church, she started feeling insecure, not enough. She wasn't measuring Shame, up. She wasn't, she yeah. didn't. There were some trauma triggers in her life that being in that group made her feel and it would eventually lead to her relapsing. And so in our process, I said, hey, you're not allowed to be in any more women's Bible studies (laughs) until we have worked through some of these wounds and these injuries until you can maintain some sobriety. So that's a weird way to pitch that. Not all groups or community or relationships are exactly what you need. You have to know and be aware of what your needs are and where you are getting those needs met. And so two other hard things. I want to invite you into this too, Chad. What do you do with someone whose family of origin is shaming, is triggering, isn't supportive, doesn't understand the journey? Yeah. And then what do we do when the spouse is also not? I mean, there is a lot to that. So there's this idea that like, your family wants you to be healthy. And the way that they know to motivate you to be healthy is probably to push you. So I'm not saying you need to cut your family of origin out or cut your spouse out or cut, not completely, but for a time, you need to find people that support you. Yeah. And, and heck, that's hard to do sometimes. That's, again, why I am really an advocate for an AA or a a CR or something that really does get it. You need people that understand the struggle. I literally had, um, in my family of origin, there was a lot of people that drank and I'm like, it was Thanksgiving a year and a half. I've been sober two years. I come to the Thanksgiving thing and everybody has wine and they're like, do you want to drink? Do you want to this? Do you want to that? And I'm like, you know, cocktails all the whole thing. And I'm like, no, no, thanks. No, thanks. And even still, I'm like, I don't drink. Well, why not? You know, they still ask the question. Yeah. Or, Couldn't you just have one? It doesn't or, seem like you have a problem anymore, Chad. Why yeah. don't you just drink? And I'm like, man, because I don't do it like you. I did it differently than they yeah. did. And I need people that get that around me. Not all the time, not yeah. 24-7. I don't need to disown my family or my wife or whoever. But I, I do need to find people that are like, oh, yeah, we get that. That's That makes sense. I want to talk about the married partner. Otherwise, I just feel crazy. Yeah, yeah. for just a second. Because... You have now said multiple times, I'm not telling you to cut off your spouse. No, I'm not. And and we don't want to create that. What we're trying to do is create connection, not distance. We see a lot of spouses who send their addicted partner to recovery. And I understand that side of it that goes, man, I have tried to be the motivator. I've tried to be the accountability partner. That's unhealthy. And it is, by the way, unhealthy. Um, And so I want them to go get healthy. But I always try to encourage that partner to go with them and learn. Learn how to build safety into that relationship. Learn the new community that is providing safety for your partner. I feel like it's really sad that that a 
a partner in a married relationship has to come and find safe community and acceptance without the most important relationship that they have yeah. because that partner is like, it's too much, I can't do it. And I think if it's too much and you can't do it, that's the very reason why you should also probably be in Al-Anon or in Celebrate Recovery. That's one where all the hurts, habits, and hangups come together, so it's not issue-specific. But if your partner is an addict who is trying to find safe community to build sobriety and health into their life, your best move to help them exponentially get healing is to also step into that recovery journey and work on learning how to be a really safe and supportive partner to somebody who is an addict. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize some of what we're saying because I think it's this is a huge piece. It is. We probably could spend hours and hours on it, but we're <laughs> not. Uh, what I'm saying is if you're going to be in recovery, in this, the fourth piece of what we're talking about, the five components, if you're gonna be in recovery, you need to find a community that understands your struggle. And that, that may be a spouse who comes to meetings with you or starts to try to understand, or it may be a family who really supports it. I know people that have great families yeah. and understand addiction and alcoholism and all the things. And I also know people that have to like step out of their family of origin for a little bit in order just to get and maintain some level of sobriety. So what we're talking about is really this diving into a new community, getting rid of communities that maybe supported negative habits or negative ways of dealing and coping with life. And, and that's hard, number yes. one, because we're talking about breaking attachment or breaking out and away from I want to call it your tribe, the people that supported you while you were in your struggle. Possibly even breaking a few family rules. And we've already talked about family rules in a previous series, which is really hard to break them because you're going to have to start standing up for yourself. And it doesn't mean you're never going to be able to kind of re-engage. What it means is you're going to go and learn a new self-awareness, an understanding of your triggers, an understanding of how to respond to those triggers when they're happening so that you can re-engage that family in a healthier way and not get completely sunk in your recovery every time you interact with them. I completely, that, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, Ange. And I'm like, this would be my, my it's a, just an, a piece of advice. It's a tip that I don't even know where it fits in all of this. But it's like, don't go cutting off and making these absolute statements about any of your relationships. Mm -hmm. Give it a year. Like we, we can step out of some of the engagement. And if I know that my family always has a lot of drinks at Christmas or Thanksgiving, maybe I find a way to do something else that year and not say that I'm never, ever coming back. But I'm going to take some time to kind of let myself get my footing before I go around some of these events where yeah. I've had real struggles. And we're using metaphors and all kinds of ways that we talk about this, but we're saying find healthy community that supports you and start to step out of or set limits and boundaries around communities that were not so healthy. One of the reasons Chad refers to this as the scaffolding that is like built around or that provides the structure for healthy living and sobriety is because you can't even consider what relationships you need to remove or add if you don't have self-awareness and aren't willing to do self-care. Yeah. These happen all together and in order. I mean, we're doing safeguards first, distancing ourselves from the thing, then self-awareness, what is my triggers, then self-care, how do I maintain and protect myself and my journey? Now we're talking about, since we're on that third and fourth level, who in my life is adding to or taking away from what my committed goal is. And so this isn't something you lead with. 
I'm cutting everybody off. Uh, Although I see people try to do that without the self-awareness and that just feels really hard. And so these all go together. You can't really just solo them out. And there's continuum. Yeah. Right. So some people do need to cut everybody out of their life and go to rehab and move to (laughs) another state. I'm not, I'm not kidding, but I'm like, that that's, it's hard. Right. And so we are, we're saying, Hey, this is not a one size fits all cookie cutter method but you have to be able to be aware of you even coming back from rehab i'm glad you mentioned that we'll hear people say oh you know my brother husband partner father is coming out of rehab and he's been sober for 30 or 60 days and we're so excited and i think whoever that person is is about to step right out of their very structured environment Mm -hmm. where they are learning self-awareness and have intentional self-care built in and they are stepping back into the very system and environment with which aided and abetted their bad choices (laughs) and so this is hard because what we try to do with somebody who's excited about that new sober person coming out is say what have you done to help you know, built that scaffolding around them to maintain that, to give them the safeguards to maintain that mm. sobriety. It's a it's a hard and nuanced and layered thing. And it's really, it could be really challenging. There is so much we could talk about here and we want to give you an opportunity to talk about it now. So that brings us to our Connect Point. The Connect Point is designed to help you have a different conversation about how you experience your relationship. Small adjustments lead to big change over time. Take some time to practice with us now. This Connect Point is to take some time and think about where are the places that I find support? Who are the people that provide that for me? And then you may take a few minutes also and say, Where are the places that are not so healthy and who are the people that are not so healthy for me? Take a few minutes, think about that and discuss it with your partner. Thanks so much for listening to us. If you've enjoyed this podcast, one of the best things you can do for us is to share it with another couple that you think could benefit from it. You can rate us and give us a review on your listening platform, and you can follow us on our Facebook page, The Real Emhoffs. If you want to support our nonprofit that makes resources available for couples, you can check out the Ways to Give tab on our website, therealemhoffs.com. We love to hear from our listeners, so feel free to message or email us with ideas you might like us to talk about or the ways that our ConnectPoint conversations are impacting your relationship. Thanks Thanks again. again.